This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get out your Bibles and let's get started. Well, today for our teaching time, we are again going to look at this passage from 2 Timothy. So we are going to look at it at least, see how far we get. Paul starts out saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. What does Paul say about himself here? He says, I'm an apostle. So he says, similarly, in all of his letters, he usually introduces himself by saying, I am an apostle of the Christ Jesus. Now, also, he tells us whose will it is that he is an apostle. By the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And what this tells us is that none of what he wrote was his idea. You know, we hear a lot today about people saying, you know, Christians are narrow minded and, you know, they believe Jesus is the only way. But here's the deal on that. We didn't make that up. We didn't decide that. Who decided that? Jesus. He's the one who told us that he's the only way. And like C.S. Lewis points out in that long, really cool quote of his in, was it, uh, the book that he wrote? The one defending the faith. You know, I can't think of it right off the top of my head, but, oh, mere Christianity, excuse me. There we go. Now, he tells us that Jesus made these statements, and if he wasn't who he really says he is, He would be loony, you know, because Jesus went around saying, you know, who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, you know, and he forgave sins. He received worship. I mean, he did all the things that God would do. And he said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. So none of this is our idea and none of that of what Paul writes is his idea. He's explaining what he's learned from Jesus himself. Now, he also says that, let's see, promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. We have the promise of what kind of life in Christ? Eternal life. Amen to that. So, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul's introduction here, as we've already said, is like his other letters, with an immediate declaration that he's an apostle according to the will of God, and it's not even according to his own ambition or man's choice. Paul had a role to play in God's plan for reaching the world for Jesus, and his role was as an apostle, being a unique ambassador from God to the world. Everyone has their own role to play. That includes all of us in that, and we each must fulfill it by the will of God. We need to be willing to look for God's will and say, Lord, what is your will? Not what is your will for me, but what is your will? And then we find out what God is doing and then we're supposed to join him in his work. Does that make sense? You know, we don't say, oh God, we're going to go do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and oh, by the way, we want you to bless it. No, you find out what he wants you to do and you go do that. And that's what Paul was doing. 
and he did it according to the promise of life. This statement is unique compared to greetings in Paul's other letters. However, it was appropriate here because Paul was imprisoned again in Rome as he also expected to be executed. Paul had two imprisonments. There's the one that we read about in the book of Acts. And all of the New Testament scholars and historians say that he was released for a while and he went and did some more stuff. Then when Nero, the lunatic, was, was the emperor in Rome, he had him imprisoned again. And that's when Paul literally lost his head over the gospel. And so he had two imprisonments. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us all of the details about all that. But it seems that after Paul was released from the Roman imprisonment, mentioned at the end of the book of Acts, he enjoyed a few more years of liberty until he was rearrested again. One can go to Rome today and see the place where it is reported that Paul was actually imprisoned. It is a dungeon, a cave in the ground with bare walls, and a little hole in the ceiling where food was dropped down. There were no windows. It was just a cold little cell that would have been especially uncomfortable in winter. And can you imagine being dropped into a hole that's basically a cave or a, a pit or a, a well and being left there? Would that be very much fun? No. Paul, though, was courageous enough to endure it. He wrote several epistles from prison. During his first imprisonment is the one where he wrote Philippians and Colossians and those things. And then he wrote 1 Timothy. But this time, this is his second time around, and he's telling Timothy to hang on and do the things that you're supposed to do. Because he's writing here, he says to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. What Paul here is saying is that he wants Timothy to receive all of the blessings of God that you will receive if you are walking with Christ. When we say, the Lord be with you, and everyone says, and also with you, what that means is you're actually declaring a blessing for that person, and you're declaring that you want the fullness of the presence of God to be walking with that person, every day through any situation of their life. You want the fullness of God with us, looking after us, taking care of us, meeting our needs, and being our companion and holding us up when we need it. How many times have we needed the help of the Lord in our lives? More than once? And so when you pronounce that blessing, the Lord be with you, know that that's not just something we say to take up time in the worship service. It is something that we're saying because we want you to be blessed and to walk in the fullness of all that God has for you. And that's what he's telling Timothy here. Grace, mercy, and peace. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not like the world gives, but I, I'm giving you my peace. So don't be afraid and don't let your heart be troubled. And so when we bless somebody with saying, the peace of the Lord be with you, that's what you're saying to them. You don't have to be afraid. You can walk triumphantly and in victory because you know that Jesus is with you. And he will, as that song we sang, he'll never let go. Okay? We know that Jesus is with us. 
and he's not going to turn us loose. He's not going to decide, well, I'm tired of you. Goodbye. Although he could do that with us because I think we stretch the Lord's patience quite a bit, don't we? But he doesn't let go. And that's what he's telling Timothy here. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Does it mean something to you when you find out that somebody has been praying for you? That's what Timothy's receiving here. He's of all people, Paul is saying, I thank God for you. And then he also says, I remember your tears because Timothy was kind of stressed out. He was leading the church in Ephesus. And as we found out from last week, and as we read in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, that church gave the leaders there a headache. They were stringent, they were legalistic, and they were rigid, unbending, and unthinking. So anybody who was leading that flock had their hands full. And that's why most likely Timothy did shed some tears. He said, Paul, man, those people, oh, I can't handle it. Or something to that effect. He's saying, I remember you in your tears and I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Because apparently Timothy was an overcomer. Because Paul was expecting joy when he met with Timothy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. What does this teach us ultimately? Is that we are supposed to pass along our faith to our children and then use the influence as a grandparent to pass it along to the grandkids too. It's a generational thing. It's a generational blessing. But we have the duty also to pass along our faith to our kids and to their kids. So that's what Paul's remarking about here. Yeah, I saw it in your grandma and I saw it in your mother and now I see it in you. That faith has been passed down. So the greatest blessing we can do for our kids and for our grandkids is impart to them the faith that we have because it's what gives us eternal life. And if you can have a part knowing that your grandkids are going to have eternal life, you are one awesomely blessed grandparent. So, Paul also tells Timothy in verse 6, don't neglect the gift that God gave you. He says, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is also testimony of the power of laying hands on somebody's head. But Paul is also saying, fan the flame. He's saying, get some energy, get excited, because you have some gifts. Light them up and use them for the glory of the Lord. That's what Paul's talking about here. Don't neglect them. And then he says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, there's a couple of songs out there now, you know, about eight, ten years ago, a guy named Tanner Clark wrote a song, said, Don't Be Afraid. And then a few year, about a year or so ago, Zach Williams did, Fear is a liar. Now, fear is a useful emotion if you are in danger and your fear tells you, get out of dodge. But there is the level of fears that become unreasonable, 
unbearable if we let them get to us and are illogical to hold on to. And those are the fears that are the liars, the one that kind of keeps nagging at you about something that you've already de dealt with, but it's nipping at your heels or your elbows trying to remind you that it's still there. But God did not give us that. He gave us a spirit of power. The power through His Holy Spirit to walk in the victory that He get, wants to, us to have and love. Where we can love the unlovable, believe it or not. The people who are totally annoying. The people who are total jerks to us. We have the power through the Holy Spirit to still love that person. Now remember last week we talked about this and where we found out that prayer... If you pray for somebody, you can't continue to hate them because something will transpire inside of you where you start seeing that person the way Jesus sees them. And that's the spirit of love where you can look at that person and say, you know, or think, don't say it out loud. You know, I don't really like you, but I'm going to love you. Think it. Trust me on that. But we have the spirit of love that he gives to us so we can love the unlovable. And for those of us who have classroom teaching experience, we know that there are some people who will push the limits and test our patience. But we can still love them in the power of the Lord by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the, for the gospel by the power of God. Paul said, don't be embarrassed about this, Timothy. We have the power of God on our side. We have the power of God working in us and through us. We have the power of the Lord. So don't be ashamed of that. Although we're tempted to be. When we get around a crowd of people who are pretty worldly and they start talking about religion and they don't have anything good to say about it, there's an opportunity there, an opening to say something about Jesus, po say something positive about him, and to tell him about your Savior, your Lord. And yeah, that takes courage. But Paul told us God didn't give us a spirit of fear, of power and love and sound mind. And so we shouldn't be ashamed to say that we're Christians. We shouldn't be in a crowd of people sitting there saying, man, I hope he doesn't say anything to me. I don't want to have to say anything. Have you ever been there? I don't want to. Oh, I, no, please, please don't call on me. But use it as an opportunity. Henry Blackaby teaches repeatedly in that Experiencing God course. That's how you know when God is working, is when somebody out of the blue starts talking about Jesus. God is actually working on that person at that moment. So there's your opening. Seize the moment and don't let it pass. And we should be able to stand courageously sharing our faith with anybody at any time because we have the power of God because he saved us and called us to a holy calling. And it wasn't because of anything we did. It was because of his grace that that happened. So we can stand strong because we have the grace of the Lord walking with us always. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.